0: Hercule Poirot looked with interest and appreciation at the young woman who was being ushered into the room. There had been nothing distinctive in the letter she had written. It had been a mere request for an appointment, with no hint of what lay behind that request. It had been brief and businesslike. Only the firmness of the handwriting had indicated that Carla La Marchant was a young woman. And now here she was in the flesh, a tall, slender young woman in the early twenties, the kind of young woman that one definitely looked at twice. Her clothes were good, an expensive well-cut coat and skirt and luxurious furs. Her head was well-poised on her shoulders. She had a square brow, a sensitively cut nose, and a determined chin. She looked very much alive. It was her aliveness more than her beauty which struck the predominant note. Before her entrance, Hercule Poirot had been feeling old. Now he felt rejuvenated, alive, keen. As he came forward to greet her, he was aware of her dark grey eyes studying him attentively. She was very earnest in that scrutiny. She sat down and accepted the cigarette that he offered her. After it was lit, she sat for a minute or two smoking, still looking at him with that earnest, thoughtful gaze. Poirot said gently, Yes, sir. It has to be decided, does it not? She started. I beg your pardon? Her voice was attractive, with a faint, agreeable huskiness in it. You are making up your mind, are you not, whether I am a mere money-bank, or the man you need? She smiled. She said, well, yes, something of that kind. You see, Monsieur Poirot, you, you don't look exactly the way I pictured you. I am old, am I not? Older than you imagined. Yes, that too. She hesitated. I'm being frank. You see, I want— I've got to have the best. Rest assured, said Hercule Poirot, I am the best. Carla said, (laughs) You're not modest. All the same, I'm inclined to take you at your word. Poirot said placidly, one does not, you know, employ merely the muscles. I do not need to bend and measure the footprints and pick up the cigarette ends and examine the bent blades of grass. It is enough for me to sit back in my chair and think. It is this—he tapped his egg-shaped head—this that functions. I know, said Carla the Marchant. That's why I've come to you. I want you, you see, to do something fantastic. That— uh, said Hercule Poirot, promises well. He looked at her in encouragement. Carla La Marchant drew a deep breath. My name, she said, isn't Carla, it's Caroline, the same as my mother's. I was called after her. She paused. And though I've always gone by the name of La Marchant, my real name is Crail. Hercule Poirot's forehead creased a moment perplexedly. He murmured, Crayle. I seem to remember, she said, my father was a painter, rather a well-known painter. Some people say he was a great painter, I think he was. Hercule Poirot said, Amaius Crayle? Yes, she paused, then she went on, and my mother, Caroline Crayle, was tried for murdering him. Aha, said Hercule Poirot, I remember now but uh, only vaguely. I was abroad at the time. It was a long time ago. Sixteen years, said the girl. Her face was very white now, and her eyes two burning lights. She said, Do you understand? She was tried and convicted. She wasn't hanged, because they felt that there were extenuating circumstances, so the sentence was commuted to penal servitude for life, but she died only a year after the trial. You see— it's all over, done, finished with, Poirot said quietly. And so? The girl called Carlo the Marchant pressed her hands together. She spoke slowly and haltingly, but with an odd, pointed emphasis. She said, You've got to understand exactly where I come in. I was five years old at the time, it happened. Too young to know anything about it. I remember my mother and my father, of course, and I remember leaving home suddenly, being taken to the country. I remember the pigs and a nice, fat farmer's wife and everybody being very kind, and I remember quite clearly the funny way they used to look at me. Everybody, a sort of furtive look. I knew, of course, children do, that there was something wrong, but I didn't know what. And then I went on a ship, It was exciting, it went on for days, and then I was in Canada, and Uncle Simon met me, and I lived in Montreal with him and Aunt Louise, and when I asked about Mummy and Daddy, they said they'd be coming soon, and then, and then I think I forgot, only I sort of knew that they were dead, without remembering anyone actually telling me so, because by that time, you see, I didn't think about them any more, I was very happy, you know.' Uncle Simon and Aunt Louise were sweet to me, and I went to school and had a lot of friends, and I'd quite forgotten that I'd ever had another name, not Le Marchant. Aunt Louise, you see, told me that was my name in Canada, and it seemed quite sensible to me at the time. It was just my Canadian name. But as I say, I forgot in the end that I'd ever had any other. She flung up her defiant chin. She said, Look at me. You'd say, wouldn't you, if you met me— "'There goes a girl who's got nothing to worry about. "'I'm well off, I've got splendid health, "'I'm sufficiently good to look at, I can enjoy life. "'At twenty there wasn't a girl anywhere "'I'd have changed places with. "'But already, you know, I'd begun to ask questions "'about my own mother and father, "'who they were and what they did. "'I'd have been bound to find out in the end. "'As it was, they told me the truth. "'When I was twenty-one, they had to then, "'because for one thing I came into my own money.' And then you see, there was the letter, the letter my mother left for me when she died. Her expression changed, dimmed. Her eyes were no longer two burning points, they were dark, dim pools. She said, That's when I learned the truth that my mother had been convicted of murder. It was rather horrible. She paused. "'There's something else I must tell you. "'I was engaged to be married. "'They said we must wait, "'that we couldn't be married "'until I was twenty-one. "'When I knew, I understood why.' "'Poirot stirred "'and spoke for the first time. "'He said, "'And what was your fiancé's reaction? "'John?' "'John didn't care. "'He said it made no difference, "'not to him. "'He and I were John and Carla, "'and the past didn't matter.' "'She leaned forward. We're still engaged, but all the same, you know, it does matter. It matters to me, and it matters to John, too. It isn't the past that matters to us, it's the future. She clenched her hands. We want children, you see, we both want children. And we don't want to watch our children growing up and be afraid. Poirot said, Do you not realize that amongst everyone's ancestors there has been violence and evil?" You don't understand. That's so, of course. But then one doesn't usually know about it. We do. It's very near to us. And Sometimes I've seen John just look at me, such a quick glance, just a flash. Supposing we were married and we'd quarrelled and I saw him look at me and... and wonder. Hercule Poirot said, How was your father killed? Carlo's voice became clear and firm. He was poisoned. Hercule Poirot said, I see. There was a silence. Then the girl said in a calm, matter-of-fact voice, Thank goodness you're sensible. You see that it does matter, and what it involves. You don't try to patch it up and trot out consoling phrases. I understand very well, said Poirot. What I do not understand is what you want of me. Carla La said simply, I want to marry John, And I mean to marry John, and I want to have at least two girls and two boys, and you're going to make that possible. You mean you want me to talk to your fiancé? Uh, No, it is idiocy what I say there. It is something quite different that you are suggesting. Tell me what is in your mind. Listen, Monsieur Poirot, get this, and get it clearly. I'm hiring you to investigate a case of murder. Do you mean— Yes, I do mean— A case of murder— is a case of murder whether it happened yesterday or sixteen years ago. But, my dear young lady—wait, Monsieur Poirot, you haven't got it all yet. There's a very important point. Yes? My mother was innocent, said Carla La Marchand. Hercule Poirot rubbed his nose. He murmured, Well, uh, naturally, I comprehend that it isn't sentiment. There's her letter. She left it for me before she died. It was to be given to me when I was twenty-one. She left it for that one reason that I should be quite sure. That's all there was in it. That she hadn't done it. That she was innocent. That I could be sure of that always. Hercule Poirot looked thoughtfully at the young, vital face staring so earnestly at him. He said slowly, de même." Carla smiled. "'No,'